I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna for another edition of our press review show, the show in which we bring to you the latest Arsenal transfer-related stories doing the rounds. Lots and lots, as always, to get into. I uh, hope you're all well. Apologies for being a couple of minutes late uh, in the live chat box. Lots of you have been waiting. Um, Richie says, Harry is never late. It's us lot being early all the time. I wish I could say that was the case, but no, um, I was a little bit late today. I'm not going to lie. Um, I did set the, the stream for five minutes before I was going to actually kick off like I always do to make sure that you guys always get those notifications pushing through. But even still, I was a good four or five minutes late, which is completely unacceptable. But I'm Greek, so you're going to have to forgive me because late is in my DNA that's just how we do things. But I'm here now anyway to take you through the latest Arsenal transfer related stories. We're going to be bringing them to you and we're going to be discussing them whilst getting some of your thoughts from the comments section below. I'm uh, going to say a few hellos uh, in just a second. But before I forget, if you haven't done so already, please do uh, leave a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Right. Um, let me do those hellos then before we uh, we before we jump right into it. Let's say uh, a big hello to first up uh, to Gregory, to the Wandering Minstrel, to Juno, who says, shame I'm still at work. Have a great show and I'll catch it later on, Harry. Cheers for tuning in uh, to say hello. Anyway, mate, uh, big hello to the Fort Lauderdale Guna Craig, who joins us. He says, yes, just made it home in time. Uh, brilliant stuff. Big hello to Maxim, who says you'd be late to your own funeral, Harry. I probably would be. Uh, Billy Anderson says, two things you can always rely on in life. One, Spurs being shit. And two, Harry being late. Um, big hello to Johnny, to Steve, to Fivers, to Alex, uh, to Sakaya, to Ollie, to Adam. Uh, lots and lots of you in the live chat with us at the moment. And a big hello to every single one of you. Okay, let's start off uh, with the big story that has been doing the rounds uh, in the last, well, it started to come out yesterday and it's been talked about a lot more today as well. And that is the reports linking Arsenal with a move for Victor Osimhen, the Napoli striker. He's been heavily linked with a move away from Naples this summer. He's obviously impressed uh, during this campaign um, with the Serie A club and is now being linked, as I say, with a move elsewhere. And according to Charles Watts, um, Arsenal have held talks with the Napoli strikers' representatives already. He says that Ossiemen's uh, representatives flew into London last week and had a sit-down with Edu. Now, this is really, really interesting because I know that Charles Watts doesn't report things that he doesn't know to be true. Um, you know, all journalists get things wrong from time to time, but you tend to know, don't you? who those are that you can really trust and really rely on and who those are that you can't. And to me, Charles Watts is certainly in that trusted category. I think he's brilliant at what he does. He's fantastic. And uh, and he's come up with this story. So Edu has met, according to Charles Watts, with Victor Osimhen's representatives. Let's have a little bit of a look uh, at how the player has fared this season. Uh, he's been very much talked about. He's obviously joined the club uh, not too long ago, which suggests that Napoli 
if they are going to let him go, will not do it on the cheap. Now, he's just 23 years old. But in the Serie A, the season just gone, uh, he managed 14 goals and five assists. So that's 19 direct goal contributions in 27 appearances. He also managed four goals and an assist in the Europa League as well. 23 years old, and although his main position uh, is at centre-forward, he has been known from time to time to operate from either flank as well. Uh, I mentioned that he joined the club not too long ago. He joined them in September 2020 uh, from Lille in a deal that was believed to be worth £67.5 million. His current contract with the club runs until June 2025. And so although this is a signing I'd quite like to see Arsenal make, I'm well aware that it's going to be one that's going to cost a good few quid. It's not going to be a cheap one. Uh, according to Transfermarkt, his current market value is £54 million. But Napoli and Aurelio De Laurentiis, the president in particular, are notoriously very, very difficult to deal with. They're not going to do this deal on the cheap. They're not going to do this deal and they're not going to concede any ground uh, in this deal is what I should be saying. Um, so if Arsenal want the player, they're going to have to go out there and break the bank for him. Now, I've got to be honest, over the last few months, we've been linked with a lot of strikers. And this kind of goes back to January when obviously Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang departed the club to sign for Barcelona. We were talking a lot at that point about the need for a striker, the desire to see a striker come in. Um, and one of the things I kept saying was that, you know, maybe, just maybe at the end of January, if the right opportunity was to present itself, we would we would try. We would try and make it happen. I think we did try with Alexander Rysak after the Vlavic Hope had disappeared. I think we did inquire as to how much he was going to cost from Real Sociedad because we knew and we know that he is somebody that the club have long admired. It's interesting that the Alexander Isak talk has, has faded, though, of late. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact that Real Sociedad seemed completely unwilling to discuss any sale at anything less than his release clause, which we can all agree is over the top. You know, £75 million for Alexander Isak is not the kind of money that I think you should be paying for him at this point. It's not the kind of money that I think he's worth. Now, he's got lots of potential and he's got lots of ability and he's got lots of qualities. But £75 million felt like an awful lot of money at the time for somebody who, up until that point, I think had scored three league goals in the season. Something like that anyway. So I understand why Arsenal were reluctant to do that. And I understand why Arsenal didn't do that. And thinking about it now, it is interesting, isn't it, that that sort of talk has, has completely evaporated. You don't hear much of that nowadays. Moving on to today and moving on to Victor Osimhen, I have to be honest, he's somebody that I'd heard a lot of Arsenal fans talk about. He's somebody that the conversation um, had been had around for a little while, but I never believed that Arsenal were interested themselves in Victor Osimhen. Not because I don't think he's a good player. I think when you look at his record, it speaks for himself. For itself. The fact that he's 23 um, means that he's got room to grow, room to develop, and he fits into the, the new recruitment strategy that we think we've kind of seen from Arsenal in recent seasons. But I, I always knew, and I do know, that being a Napoli player, he's going to be incredibly difficult to sign from a financial perspective. And that was always my worry. That was always my concern. And that was why I never even really, when I was talking about strikers that Arsenal should bring in or could bring in or might want to bring in, 
I never even really seriously considered um, Victor Ossiman. I, I didn't. And so to hear this is a surprise to me, to hear that representatives of the player have come to London and have met with Edu comes as a surprise to me. Um, I think Charles Watts in his report and and in a video that he dropped earlier on today was very, very clear that this doesn't mean that he's joining. That it doesn't mean that the deal is done. It doesn't mean that Arsenal have already uh, agreed this. It's in the pipeline and he'll be here before you know it. There's still a long, long way to go. Now, this is talks with Victor Ossiman's representatives, not talks with Napoli. And we've got to make that clear because he's under contract until 2025. So his agents, his representatives may well come here, may well give it the big and may well tell everybody uh, that they'd love their client to come and play here, that their client wants to come and play here. But at the end of the day, the difficult conversation, I believe, um, you know, is, um, is going to be with Napoli and not with the player. Do I doubt his quality? Do I doubt his ability to adapt to the Premier League? I don't actually, because I think he's proven that he's a very, very good goal scorer. He's proven that he can be um, a real talisman for a side playing in in one of the better leagues in, in a club like Napoli, where there's always pressure. He's been able to deliver. I think physically, when you look at what he brings to the table, when you think about his pace, when you think about his threat in behind, I think he gives us a lot of what we need. Um, and I think that those attributes would translate very, very well into the Premier League. But as I keep saying, for me, the stumbling point with this is going to be dealing with Aurelio De Laurentiis and Napoli, uh, who have a, uh, a reputation for being very, very difficult in the transfer market. Let me know what you guys think about the prospect and the possibility of Arsenal signing Victor Osimhen uh, this summer, because as uh, Charles Watts says, talks have taken place, which means even though it's not done, even though it's nowhere near being done, even though we don't know that this is going to happen, particularly at this early stage of the summer when the, the talk is still very, um, I don't know what the word is, shallow, if you want to call it that. At this point, um, you know, what do you think about it? Is he somebody that you'd like to see come in? Arsenal, at the very least, are exploring the possibility we're being told. That's interesting. Uh, let's see what we've got in the chat box. Um, uh, Olivier says, do we know wages on Osimhen? I don't, but I'd imagine that coming to the Premier League and coming to a club like Arsenal, he will want a, a substantial increase. Uh, the, the wages in Serie A, generally speaking, are not uh, as big as they are in the Premier League. And I think that, you know, he will see if he does decide to join, if we do decide to try and make this happen, I think that you'll find Victor Osimhen will will want to uh, extract as much as he possibly can from Arsenal Football Club in order to ensure that there is a significant bump from what is currently being paid uh, over at Napoli. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, uh, don't break the bank on him, please. Uh, I'm assuming you're not convinced uh, on him, mate. Uh, big hello to Melford as well, who joins us uh, from Toronto. Uh, Serge Dubois says, hi, Harry, why is Ossiman's price uh, £90 million? That's so expensive. Is he good? Um, he is good, yeah. Um, anybody who's watched any Serie A over the last couple of seasons will tell you that he's a very, very good forward, a very good striker, and somebody who could certainly add something to this Arsenal side. I don't know that the price is going to be £90 million, as you've quoted there. 
Um, but I don't expect it to be less than, for example, 65, 70 million pounds, or at least I don't expect Napoli to start at a point below that. I think that they may well start very, very high, very high, high, if high, if indeed do progress and something is to come of them. I do think Napoli will start very high and we'll have to hope over the course of the window that we'll be able to wear them down if indeed this is what Arsenal want to do. Now, remember when I said to you guys on, on the last edition of the press review, sometimes, you know, we sit here as fans and we go, oh, well, you know, what's the matter with us? Why haven't we got this business done yet? It's taking too long. Why are we being linked with this player for months and months and months? Nothing's happening. Nothing's moving. Well, that's because of situations uh, like the one that could arise here where the club are going to dig their heels in. They're going to do their utmost to try and get the best fee possible. Likewise, Arsenal are going to try and pay the least fee possible. That's just the way it works. And those negotiations can take time. Now, sometimes the football club will look at it very, very differently. In fact, all the time, the football club will look at it very, very differently to the fan. You or me might say, ah, just chuck an extra three, four million pound on top and get the deal done. Whereas for a football club, three, four million pounds is a, is, is a fair amount of money. And, um, you know, from a business perspective, things are out of our hands and, and sometimes we will see those delays. Um, it is what it is. Let's, um, let's go back to the chat. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Halo Mateus says, I would love to hear the words champions league level. If we talk about a player linked with Arsenal has Os is Ossiman champions league level. I think he's certainly got the potential to be, and he'll be playing if he does stay at Napoli in the champions league next season, because of course they have qualified for the competition. Is he champions league level? Yeah, I think he is. I do. I, I think he's at that level today. Um, and I think that, you know, there's only room to grow. You know, he's a young player, as I said, 23 years old, uh, Nigerian international as well. He's got 18 senior caps. He scored 10 goals in those 18 senior caps. Um, he's had a fair amount of experience in Europe now, um, not in European competition, but on the continent. You know, sometimes you talk about players coming from uh, different continents and struggling to get into European football, struggling to deal with the cultural differences. He spent time at Wolfsburg in Germany, spent time at Charlois in Belgium. Um, of course, uh, his big money move to Napoli came from Lille uh, back, as I said, in September 2020. But he certainly feels to me like someone who's capable of playing at Champions League level. Uh, what else have we got? Um Olivier says, uh, if we could get Jesus, Osimen and Tielemans, it would be a great window, in my opinion. Enough for the top four, I hope. Now, my view, and this is only my view, my opinion, is that Arsenal won't be able to afford both Gabriel Jesus and Victor Osimen. I think it will be one or the other. Uh, we're going to come on to the Gabriel Jesus situation in a little bit because there has been a few updates on that. Um, over the last sort of 24, 48 hours that I don't think we've touched on just yet on the show. Um, Amira says, uh, regardless of who we sign, it's encouraging to see that the club are having discussions early and with the type of players that we'd like to see as well. Uh, Palace says, is he value for money when we can get Lautaro for cheaper? Can we though? Can we get Lautaro Martinez for cheaper? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, uh, Alex says, do you hope Osiman signing isn't instead of Jesus? 
this is what I was saying earlier, mate. I, I, I think it's one or the other. I really do. And, you know, I know that's not what people want to hear, but I'd be shocked. I really would if we were able to bring both of those players in. Uh, Peter Eriksson says, how do you see him transitioning into the Premier League? I think there's always going to be a transitional period when you come from abroad. I think that's part and parcel of it. I don't think that you can do an awful lot about that. What I would say is that, you know, as I've already mentioned, I don't want to repeat myself, but given what he brings to the table uh, from a physical perspective and all the attributes that he has in terms of being an athlete, I think he'd actually fit in quite well. Uh, Jay Sayer says, Ossiman is really good, but not worth 70 million. He's not a killer in front of goal. I don't think he's worth 70 million either, like by my sort of way of valuating players. But what I would say, Jay, is that sometimes you have to pay over the top to get what you want. I think we've done that even under Mikel Arteta with, for example, Ben White, you know, great signing, good player, someone I'm very much looking forward to watching develop and grow at the football club. But 50 million based on what he'd done prior to this season, it was a little bit excessive. Sometimes you've got to do that, though. Sometimes you've got to go a little bit above and beyond in order to fend off the competition and get the player that you want. Dalisu says, um, would Ossiman forego the opportunity to play Champions League football with Napoli? Uh, I think he would. I think he would. I, I really do. I think if the money was right and if the, you know, the project was sold to him in the right way, then I think he would. I think we talk a lot about this, don't we? And, and particularly with Arsenal missing out on the Champions League, it's become a real big talking point again. You know, what happens if we miss out on the Champions League? How does that change the landscape for us going into the transfer market? How do we persuade people that this is the club for them without being in the Champions League. I don't think somebody at 23 years old, like Victor Osimhen is, would panic necessarily with regards to playing in the Champions League. I think he'll look at it and say, well, you know, this might well be a good and smart next move for me. And I'm still young enough and I've still got the ability to go on and play Champions League football later down the line. You know, if, if you're at a club like Arsenal and, and for two, three seasons, you're sort of longing for the Champions League and you don't make it, then I can understand there'll be some frustration there. But as I said to you guys before, I think Arsenal showed enough progress over the course of the season that in my opinion, a lot of players will still look at the club and think, well, they're moving in the right direction. Now, yes, we can't offer Champions League football today, tomorrow, and um, and we won't be able to offer it this coming season. But I think a lot of people, as I say, will recognise the good positive work that's been done. We'll recognise that this is a club moving in the right direction again for the first time in a really long time. And I think that people would still be open to the prospect of wearing the famous red and white shirt, despite the fact that we're not in the Champions League. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Guna Legend responding to my comment where I said, I don't think we can afford both Victor Osimhen and, um, and Gabriel Jesus. He says, can't afford them. Last time I checked, we had a multi-billionaire owner. Agreed. A multi-billionaire owner who has shown that he will only invest in the football club up to a certain point. Um, so there's no point in sort of looking at unrealistic targets and looking at unrealistic fees and, and sitting there and obsessing over it. We've known from day dot that this is the way that KSE operate. This is the way that they're going to operate the football club. And if you want to have a, a moan and a, and a sort of rant and a you know, little bit of therapy session on on that, 
That's a completely different issue. What I'm trying to say is that based on what I think is going to be available to Mikel Arteta this summer, I find it very difficult to believe that we will be able to spend vast amounts of money on both Gabriel Jesus and Victor Osiman. I'd love to see it happen, but I just can't see it. Uh, let's take a, a couple more of your comments and then we're going to move on to the next story. We'll come back and do a few questions at the end. A clock in Seb says the whole deal gives off um, Nicolas Pepe vibes. <laughs> don't say that. Please don't jinx it. Please, please. Uh, Arsenal Till I Die says, uh, Harry, you were quality on TalkSport. Thank you so much, mate. Really, really do uh, appreciate it. Um, Ollie Benford says, will you be travelling around for the Europa this year, H? I hope so. I hope to be. Um, I've got a lot of work commitments here in the um, in the UK for sort of various different companies. And it does become a little bit difficult to kind of get up and go away like I would have done 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah, th it, things are a little bit different, um, but I will do my best to get to as many of those games. Normally, in European competition, if you go back a few years, what I used to do, uh, what I'd like to do is maybe not go so big in the group stage unless there is a tie at a place that I, I really want to go that's on my bucket list um, and then save it for the knockout round. I do believe we'll make the knockout round. So, yeah, I don't think it's unfair to say that. I might just be uh, sort of sitting there um, watching the away games from a distance with a view to obviously making some of those trips in the knockout rounds. OK, look, let's move on from Victor Osimhen because we've spoken loads about him. We've been going for a good 20 minutes or so. Uh, so that is the latest from Charles Watts. According to him, Arsenal have held talks with uh, Napoli striker Victor Osimhen's representatives. His agents flew in to London last week and spoke with Edu. Right, let's move on to Mikel Arteta's comments regarding William Saliba. Now, I'm not going to go through them verbatim because you all uh, know what Mikel Arteta said. The comments have been doing the rounds since yesterday. And what this has done is it's shut up a lot of people, hasn't it? It really, really has. I mean, if you think about the noise and the division that has been sort of evident around William Saliba, somebody who's never played a competitive game for Arsenal, you, you have to admit it's, it's, it's embarrassing. You know, it, it really is. I, I can't get my head around why the player has developed or how the player who's never played a competitive game for Arsenal has developed this cult following almost. And I thought what Mikel Arteta did yesterday was shut down all of that nonsense, shut down all of that noise. He made it very, very clear that in his opinion, um, and basically, um, you know, by his judgment, and it's his judgment that matters, William Saliba would have played a lot less football had he stayed at Arsenal. And I said to you guys maybe a couple of months ago, maybe a month ago now on one of the episodes of this show, that for me, the Saliba deal to Marseille had been a winner for everybody. And the reason I said that was because if he was to come back and slot back into the Arsenal squad, great. He'd have had a year's more football under his belt and he'd have experienced the pressure that comes with playing for a big club because Marseille are a huge football club and there's huge expectation there all the time. So it's an environment that mirrors in a lot of ways the environment that he'd be coming back to. If we decided that he wasn't the right man, that he needed to be moved on, that we could cash in on him, then the fact that he 
had gone to Marseille and performed well and won the Liga and Young Player of the Year award would put us in a much stronger negotiating position. So whatever the outcome was, whatever the decision was going to be from Saliba, from Mikel Arteta, from the Arsenal hierarchy, from Marseille, at the end of the day, everybody was going to... The only people that don't benefit from it are Marseille. Now, obviously, they've benefited from having him in the side all season, but moving forward, the fact he played well means his price goes up, means it more difficult for them to acquire him uh, than it might have been otherwise. So while they've had the benefits in the short term, uh, they're certainly not going to get them in the longer term because William Saliba uh, stock is, is up here now. Mikel Arteta made it clear. He wants him back. He says he has to come back. He's going to come back into the picture. He's going to come back into uh, the side um, and be, uh, and be a big, big part of it. So um looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, yeah. So let's um, let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, of course, has been heavily linked with a move to Arsenal over the past month or so. And many felt that that deal and that move, uh, that potential move could be in jeopardy following Arsenal's failure to qualify for next season's UEFA Champions League. However, um, it seems, according to a number of outlets, according to uh, Globo in Brazil, who are one of the big outlets out there, and according to um, Charles Watson and various other Arsenal-connected journalists, uh, Gabriel Jesus remains right at the top of Arsenal's striker list. Uh, the player is still very open to the idea of joining the club, and um, and that's regardless of the fact that Arsenal are not going to be in the Champions League. The problem here is what's it going to cost to get Gabriel Jesus out of Manchester City? Now, I spoke maybe a few weeks ago and I said that I thought maybe 35, 40 million pounds was about right. Not because I don't rate the player, not because I think he's, for example, half as good as Victor Osimhen, but purely because of the fact that his contract is due to expire at the end of next season. I think that's something that Arsenal would try, obviously, and use to their advantage in negotiations. But... Manchester City are not a club that are desperate for money. They're not a club that will feel that they can be pressured or bullied into accepting less than what they believe the player to be worth. You'd like to think that the connection between Mikel Arteta and Manchester City could help us in this sense. Uh, so this is one that we're going to have to keep a close eye on throughout the summer. I suspect this is going to be one that rolls on. Jesus's representatives were in England. Uh, they spoke to um, Edu, we're told. Uh, but they were also in conversation with Manchester City as well, because uh, some are suggesting now that Manchester City have done a little bit of a U-turn on Gabriel Jesus because he's been in impressive form of late. Some people are suggesting that Pep Guardiola would quite like to keep hold of the player, although the fact that Erling Haaland is coming in might put the player himself off of staying from fear of a lack of game time. Uh, let's go over to uh, the chat box. Uh, Guna Colt says uh, Jesus is the perfect second striker signing, but if he's the talisman signing, we're not moving up the table. Interesting. Uh, Christian Hoover says uh, Jesus for whatever it costs. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says uh, break the bank for Jesus. He's a proven winner. Uh, lots of you talking about Enketia as well, randomly. Like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with Eddie Enketia at the moment. He may sign a new contract. There's an offer on the table based on what we're being told. But I think we can all agree that we do need to bring in 
um, another centre forward regardless. Uh, Lynn says, do you think as soon as Arsenal put in for him, Manchester City started to play him more to put up his price? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think it's a fair point to make, but I don't think that that's the case because of the very nature of Manchester City. Now, the fact that, you know, they they're so wealthy means that I don't think they need to stress an awful lot about what happens with Gabriel Jesus come the end of the season. Now, obviously, financial fair play comes into it, which we've all seen over the last few years has become a bit of a nonsense, a bit of a shambles um, and something that Manchester City have proven themselves very good at dancing around. So had this been another club, perhaps, had this been another club, I'd have thought long and hard about this. But because it's Manchester City, because there was very little margin for error. I mean, they were in the Champions League semi-final. They were in the uh, running for the Premier League. They had to win it on the final day. I think because of that, I don't think Pep Guardiola would have taken unnecessary decisions or would have done something that he wasn't 100% convinced on just because it might bring a bit of profit down the line. So, no, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure about that. But um, his price will have probably gone up because, of course... He has, um, you know, he has really, really impressed of late, scored some really important goals for the team as well. Uh, also, uh, Mohamed Elneny's Arsenal contract extension has been announced. Uh, it was the world's worst kept secret over the past few days. Uh, reports came out after the game on Sunday that he was posing with the club's photographer in preparation for that announcement. And we've seen now that Mohamed Elneny uh, contract has been announced. It's a one-year contract extension with the option for a further year should the club opt to take it up. So um, it's just for a year at the moment, okay? So I've seen a lot of people panicking, saying that we're not moving forward. How can we keep hold of Mohamed Elneny? What are we playing at? What are we doing? Well, Mohamed Elneny is clearly seen as somebody who can help the squad out in the interim, who can be a part of this rebuild without being at the centre of it. You know, and, and that's what Mohamed Elneny is, right? I've said it time and time again. I understand why people don't feel like we should be keeping players like him on. I understand why people think that we need to uh, look for upgrades. But if you're talking about a fourth, fifth choice midfielder, then I think actually this is quite, quite an easy fix and quite an easy solution. I mean, if you think back to uh, when we played at Nottingham Forest, in the FA Cup third round. Now, of course, Mohamed Elneny was on international duty at that point. He'd gone off to the African Cup of Nations. But to have had a Mohamed Elneny in midfield alongside Lokonga, for example, as opposed to Charlie Patino, who I think has got lots of talent but clearly isn't ready yet, would have made a lot of difference, would have given us a lot more security and a lot more sturdiness in the middle of the park. So, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Look, it's not... It's not an announcement that thrills. It's not an announcement that has you jumping up and down. But I do think, um, I do think this is uh, this is really really interesting. Uh, some of you are saying that um, that David Ornstein, while we're live, has reported something regarding Eddie Enketia. Uh, let's have a quick look uh, whilst we're live on air, and then we can do a bit of um, instant reaction uh, here. Where is it? Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Eddie Nketiah understood to have changed his mind on leaving Arsenal. The 22-year-old striker was set to go as a free agent, but now 
is expected to sign a new contract. The deal has not been finalized, but the duration is likely to be up to five years. Wow. Wow. Big news that five year contract. I mean, we'll react to this probably a little bit more um, on another show, because as I say, this is literally broken while we're live on air. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a big U-turn to make, isn't it? If you're already in Ketia, I mean, you've gone from saying that you signed the five-year contract previously and that that never worked out. And, and you obviously wary and mindful of the fact that you're not going to play a lot of football. And, and that was a big concern. He's obviously been given some guarantees about his game time. Does that suggest, does that tie into what I was saying about us maybe only going and signing one big name centre forward with Eddie playing second fiddle as opposed to the third fiddle that he was playing when Arteta had a Bamiyang and Lacazette at his disposal? Really, really interesting, isn't it? Um, as I say, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, maybe we'll do a, a, a Chronicles of Aguna extra around it when we know a little bit more about the details. But breaking news while we're live on air, Eddie Nketiah understood to have changed his mind about leaving Arsenal. The 22-year-old striker was set to go as a free agent, but is now expected to sign a new contract. The deal has not been finalised just yet, but the duration is likely to be up to five years Wow. Give me your thoughts on that. Uh, give me your thoughts on that in the chat. In fact, let's take some uh, of your comments on that now. Uh, Sekaya says, um, Eddie, Eddie, uh, Sojo go so slow. I always say this really slow because I don't want to mess it up. Sojo go so slow. That's the that's the screen name. It says, whoa, five years. Damn. It is a long time, isn't it? Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, get his head down and work. Um Olivier says Arteta is clear when he speaks. It was Eddie's choice to make. Arteta wants him. Uh, Jay Sayers says good business because if he doesn't start much next year, we could send him for 20 to 30 million the next summer. We're finally doing smart business. Christian reckons that Arteta has promised him League Cup, FA Cup and Europa group stage. Interesting. Uh, That might well be the case. And this is what I keep saying again, don't I? Where, Where I've said to people before that, whilst everybody was adamant that being out of Europe altogether was a good thing for Arsenal and a positive thing, actually it hindered us in a lot of ways in the sense that a lot of players who were maybe just below the level that we want to be at were very limited in their game time. Therefore, when we needed to call on them in the Premier League or in anything else, were very rusty, were not with any form, didn't have any confidence, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see how it goes. Um, 33 Fiverr says if this is the case, it would make it easy for them to sign a 90 million pound striker. Look, I think this is um I think this is key. I think that, you know, and I sort of alluded to it a little bit earlier on in the show. I think that when people would sort of there was a few in the chat laughing at me for saying that I don't think we'll get both Osimen and a Jesus. I, I'm certain we won't get both now. Uh, looking at this news that's just come out. What else have we got? Um Lovely line says this is perfect for Arsenal, right? Because even if he fails next year, we can sell him for 15 plus million. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, SJ Chan says glad we kept him, but let's see how it pans out. We can sell him if he doesn't come up with the goods. Uh, Christoph says if Eddie signs, the club can get something for him when they sell him on good business. Yeah, 
so a lot of people are, are looking at this from that lens, right? Which is a good player who can do a job, not an amazing player, but somebody that we probably should have signed up anyway, just on the basis that now if he does decide he wants out or we decide that he's not, it's not really working out, we can sell him for something as opposed to letting him walk off into the sunset for free uh, this summer. Really interesting stuff. Uh, let's just quickly touch on a couple of other bits and pieces uh, before we head over to the chat box for your questions. Uh, start filling them up. I'm just going to run through these very, very quickly. The first one is with regards to Hector Bellerin, uh, who apparently wants to stay at Real Betis. So Hector Bellerin uh, hoping to remain uh, in Seville uh, with the club that his family supported when he was growing up. Uh, but of course, that's not just in his hands, is it? Arsenal and Real Betis need to come to some form of an agreement there. Uh, so that's the latest on that. Also from the England squad uh, that Gareth Southgate announced yesterday, three uh, Arsenal inclusions, Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White and Bukayo Saka, all named uh, to play the games against Hungary, Italy and Germany. Uh, but of course, Emile Smith-Rowe missed out. And people were asking me yesterday, uh, when I was on the radio, if I thought that that was slightly unfair, slightly harsh. Actually, I think that Emil Smith-Rowe has been a little bit off the boil uh, in recent months. I think he's had some injury problems and he's found it difficult to get back into his rhythm. He's been out of the side quite frequently as well uh, at the expense of Gabby Martinelli. So not surprised uh, that he was left out, uh, if I'm being completely honest and taking my Arsenal hat off for a second. Um Stop spamming the chat, man, with, with the same question. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not, like, just stop posting the same question 430 times. It's crazy. Get your questions in, but just put it in once, okay? And I will read it, I promise. Um, <laughs> one guy put the same question in at least 15 times. Crazy. I've put him in timeout for five minutes. That's what I've got to do to my three-year-old. Um, so, yeah, put your question in. And, uh, and I will take as many of them as I possibly can. Right, let's go over to the chat box then. Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Um, Mohit says, uh, have you seen the Gnabry links coming out? Uh, talk that he's willing to come back. Listen, I'd be open to exploring the possibility of bringing Serge Gnabry back if it made sense for everybody. But I'm not getting my hopes up on that one. I don't think I've seen enough to suggest that that is a goer at this moment in time. Uh, just going back to my Smith Rowe comments, Chris says Smith Rowe will come back. Harry, don't worry. I completely agree. I just think based on recent form, he's, it, it's probably fair that he's been left out of the England squad, given the alternatives that, that Gareth Southgate has available to him. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Lovely Lion says, uh, Harry, should we try to get one Bissaka as he's firstly a top defender, much like Tommy Asu? This would allow Tommy to rest when needed and cover Tierney in an emergency. I don't think that that is likely. I don't think that he moves from Manchester United to Arsenal. And I'm not totally convinced about Aaron Wan-Bissaka, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, what else have we got? God, how have I managed to skip that far down the chat so quickly? Oh, my God. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. Ah, oh, there we are. 
Um, Christoph says, uh, a little late, but wanted to thank you, Harry, for remaining the voice of reason, especially as the season wound down. Thank you so much, mate. Says there's plenty of breathless, unduly harsh voices out there during that time. Well done, mate. Thank you, mate. And really, really do appreciate you tuning in and your support. A few of you asking this question about what the Eddie and Ketia contract means uh, for Brendan Pham. Uh, <laughs> for Brent. Brendan Pham's the guy that asked the question. Sorry. Uh, what would this mean for Balogun's development? Uh, given that, of course, Eddie Nketiah looks as though he's staying put for another five years, uh, according to that report this evening. Well, I always said that with following Balogun, we'd seen loads in the under-23s. But at this point, we haven't seen enough at senior level to suggest that he's somebody that we should be hanging our hopes on. Or he's somebody we should be building around. Now, that's not to be critical of the player. That's not to dig him out. I think he's got lots and lots of potential, and I'm excited to see where it goes. But you can't, on the one hand, say, I want Arsenal to be ready to challenge and compete now. And by that same token, say that we can't sign or extend people's contracts because of what that might do to follow in Balogun's development. I'm not saying that you're saying that, Brendan, but... The point I'm trying to make here is that at this moment in time, there is no guarantee. There's not even any evidence that following Balogun is good enough to be a second choice striker. Eddie Nketiah has probably convinced a lot of people in recent weeks that he's ready to play at least that role. But when it comes to, to following Balogun, I, I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think we can make our plans based on being concerned about his development. So if if it does get blocked a little bit, I guess that's kind of collateral damage that, you know, you just have to live with. It's part and parcel of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's not really in my thoughts right now when I think about who's ready and who could play. Um, so, so to say that I, I would think twice from fear of, uh, you know, blocking his development would, would be lying, if I'm being honest. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, uh, Amira says, uh, coincidentally, more concrete links to Gnabry uh, came out within the past hour. Could that be linked to Eddie signing Gnabry or Gakpo, who can play across the front three? So Eddie isn't our only number two. Um, well, we heard a little bit about Gakpo yesterday as well, didn't we? Uh, that he is very much on the list, that he is very much somebody that Arsenal are looking at at this moment in time. Uh, which I thought was interesting. I like Cody Gakpo. I think we did a show about Cody Gakpo, one of the Chronicles of Aguna Extra episodes, not too long ago, which you can check out. But as I've said to you guys already, over the course of the summer, the stronger the links get, the more uh, concrete they become, the more uh, likely some of these moves become, the more time we'll spend focusing and really deep diving on a number of these players. We'll be bringing experts onto the show who can give you that kind of insight that I just, just can't. Um, on on those players. But yeah, um, obviously the fact that we seemingly are going to keep Eddie and Ketia probably reduces the desperate need to bring in two strikers, at least in Arsenal's view, means we'll focus our efforts on one and means we can probably allocate some of our budget to bring in maybe a wide forward as well, which I think we probably do need in terms of somebody who can uh, just up those outputs a little bit because that could be the difference, couldn't it? Uh, what else have we got? Um, Zed Blogger, going back to my point on Balogun, says, what top manager in the Prem would rely on Balogun 
to carry you through a season. The guy is really not ready. Needs another full season in the Championship or a lower Premier League club to develop. Sometimes it takes time. Yeah, I, I agree that we're not quite, um, you know, we're not quite in a position where we can uh, be reliant on him for sure. Uh, Alex says, curious to hear if Leverkusen signing Adam Hlozek means they'll sell Patrick Schick would be a great option, especially given Enketia stays and is signing Gnabry likely. Loads and loads of Gnabry questions uh, on this show. As I've said already on this episode, I don't know about Serge Gnabry. Um, you know, would I would I welcome him? Yeah, because I think he's a top quality player. But do I think it's going to happen? Not 100% sure. Uh, Adam Klozek is a player that I really, really like. Um, I didn't know that Leverkusen was signing him. If they are, they've they've got a real player on their hands there. I don't think they'll sell Patrick Schick, though, because I think that Klozek's best position is sort of just slightly off the striker. And I think that the pair of them could could make a formidable partnership moving forward. So I would want to keep hold of him if I were by a Leverkusen. Uh, Nikomo says, how many players do you think are needed to make us a challenging squad for the top four and a trophy? I think we probably need another four. And that doesn't necessarily mean have to be four starters, because I think that when our first 11 is fit, ready and available, I think we're actually a very good side. When we've got Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard in the middle, when we've got Gabriel and White centre-back, Tommy Asu and Tierney either side of them. Uh, when we've got Saka looking fresh, fit, when we've got Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, I think we look good. I think we're only really missing from that starting eleven a, a centre-forward. I think if we could get another centre midfielder, maybe someone a little bit more suited to that left eight position than Granite Xhaka is, then I think that could be an upgrade. Um, although I've been very impressed with the season he's had again. Uh, but then, yeah, it, for me... I think that we probably only need maybe two in the first team, but we need to backfill some of the positions and we need to have different options and alternatives available to us. William Saliba supposedly coming back as well is going to be uh, a boost, you know, at centre-back to have a a top centre-back come in and, and somebody who's able to not just be there to provide cover for Ben White and Gabriel, but also to push them and challenge them and sort of be waiting and knocking on their door uh, to take their place in the first team, I think is going to be, uh, I, I think it's going to do us a lot of good. Um, and as I say, I think there's a few positions that we probably need to cover up in. So people ask me this all the time. How many players do you want? How many players do you think we'll get? I think if we were to get four good additions, I'd be quite content with that because I'm a big believer that you shouldn't spread yourself too thin and you shouldn't go every year to buy five, six players. Instead, you should really focus really understand what your areas of weakness are, really work hard to identify players who can try and help you in those situations. And if you need to pay a little bit more money, um, I think I think that's that's what you do. Um, you know, the, the bulk recruitment drive was last summer for me. And I think this time around, let's spend a little bit more on better players, less of them maybe because of budget constraints. But yeah, I think that's the way to go. Uh, big shout out to uh, our good friend Stephen Foot as well. He says, hi, Harry. Hope you're well. Due to go down for a small procedure soon. All the best, mate. Hope all is well. Uh, wishing you a speedy recovery from whatever it is, mate. Um, and uh, Chronicles of Aguna family love uh, coming over to you. I'm sure you'll get loads of nice words uh, from the lovely people in the chat. But all the best, mate. Chris George says, Harry, what are your expectations of Arsenal next season? 
I want Champions League qualification. And I, and I don't care if it comes via the Premier League or via the Europa League. I want it. Um, I, we need it. When we get to that point of, what, three years, it would, at the end of next season, it would have been Mikel Arteta's third full season. And I think that is long enough um, to then make your judgment. I think we're not quite there yet. You know, we haven't really let this project, let this thing run its course enough, in my opinion, to make definitive judgments on whether he's he's done a good good thing or not. I think he's done some good things. I think he's done some bad things. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that's that's my expectation, Chris. You know, Arsenal need to be back in the Champions League ASAP. If we can achieve it via the Europa League and we can pick up a European trophy on the way, I'll be absolutely delighted. But for me, um, you know, we've got to get back into the Champions League. It's the only way that the club is going to push on again and hopefully get back to the very top level. Okay, look, I am going to leave it there. Uh, We've been going, as always, for the best part of one hour. But before I do that, I just want to bring your attention quickly to our good friends over at Football Prizes who have another one up for grabs. This time, you can win yourself a Gabriel Martinelli signed and framed Arsenal shirt. Plus, there's the opportunity to win 11 instant win prizes, which include a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang signed and framed Arsenal shirt, 2022-23 home shirt, the Cesc Fabregas signed and framed Emirates Stadium street sign, some football prizes vouchers and some football prizes site credit. Now to enter this competition, all you need to do is click on the link in the description, head over to football prizes. Ticket costs £4.95. There are 199 tickets available and this competition ends on Monday, May 30th at 7.30pm. However, 109 of the 199 tickets have already been sold. So there's a good chance that this one isn't even going to go until Monday. So please, if you haven't done so already and you are interested, get over there and check it out. Just before I leave, um, I just want to remind you that if you haven't done so already, could you please hit that like button? We're on 105 likes. Look, There's over 500 of you watching us live right now. So there's no reason for me while we can't get that up to 200 between now and the outro finishing. Make sure you're subscribed to the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel and podcast if you're not already, and I'll catch you all tomorrow with some more content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.